0: Testing, testing, testing. Joelle, do you hear me?
1: Yes, good evening, Dr. Burris.
0: Great, great. That's Kemp, can you hear me?
2: Good evening, how are you?
0: All right, good morning, loud and clear. Let's go. All right.
2: Steve, can you hear me? Yes, sir.
0: All righty, sounds good. We'll be ready to go in a second. All righty. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Good evening, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton's friends featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics during this month, celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. All right, I'm gonna open it up for my co-host in the studio tonight, and also joining us a little later will be Jim Waddell, Joelle tell everybody
1: hello city yes hello you guys and i'm gonna keep saying happy new year because it's january 2024 and i'm wishing the best for everybody and looking forward to the nice topics on cliff births and friends welcome to also to all my wonderful co-hosts thank you
0: uh, all right now well yeah all right that's our finest up. Marlo, Kemp, tell everybody hello, Marlo. Hey, everybody, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hope you enjoy it. All right, now. Thank you, Dr. Kemp. All righty. It's in full gear, basketball season, (laughs) and he's fired up, but he's our great analyst co host, Coach Stephen Wright. Tell him hello, Steve. Good evening,
3: everyone. Good to have everybody here.
0: All righty. And we are ready to go. We're going to start out tonight. Uh, I want to say to it looks like I Doc F A L. Welcome to the show. Um, uh, uh, we really appreciate you coming on tonight, and uh, Dr. Kemp opened us up this week before the Dreamer's birthday, Dr. Martin Luther King.
2: Good evening, everyone. Uh, as Dr. Burke said, we will definitely be honoring um, one of our greats. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. born Michael King Jr. January 15, 1929 and was assassinated April 4th, 1968. He was an American Baptist minister, an activist and political philosopher who was one of the most prominent leaders in the civil rights movement from 1955 until his assassination in 1968. A black church leader and a son of early civil rights activist and minister Martin Luther King Sr. Dr King advanced civil rights for people of color in the United States throughout the use of nonviolent resistance and nonviolent civil disobedience against Jim Crow laws and other forms of discrimination in the United States. Dr King participated in led marches for the rights to vote desegregation Labor laws and other civil rights. He oversaw the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott and later became the first President of the South Christian Leadership Conference also known as the SCLC. As president of the South Christian Leadership Conference, Dr. King led the unsuccessful Albany movement in Albany, Georgia, and helped organize some of the nonviolent 1963 protests in Birmingham, Alabama. Dr. King was one of the leaders of the 1963 March on Washington, where he delivered his I Have a Dream speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and helped organize two of the three Selma to Montgomery marches during the 1965 Selma Voting Rights Movement. The Civil Rights Movement achieved pivotal legislation, legislative gains in the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and the Fair Housing Act of 1968. The Southern Christian Leadership Conference put into practice the tactics of nonviolent protest with some success by strategically choosing the methods and places in which protests were carried out. There were several dramatic standoff with um, segregationist authorities who frequently responded violently, although Dr. King and the team also decided to protest nonviolently. Dr. King was jailed several times. The FBI considered him a radical and made and, and made him a target. They definitely um, sent him personal and threatening letters um, in which they tried to cause Dr. King to commit suicide. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: On October 14, 1964, Dr. King won the Nobel Peace Prize for Combating Racial Inequality through Nonviolent Resistance. And in his final years, he expanded his focus to include oppositions towards poverty and the Vietnam War. In 1968, Dr. King was planning a national occupation of Washington, D.C. to be called the Poor People's Campaign when he was assassinated on April 4th in in Memphis, Tennessee. His death was followed by national mourning as well as anger leading to many riots in many U.S. cities. Dr. King was awarded the um, Presidential Medal of Freedom after his death in 1977 and the Congressional Gold Medal in 2003. Mm-hmm. Dr. King's day was established as a holiday in cities and states throughout the United States beginning in 1971. The federal holiday was first observed in 1986, although there are still some states um, that do not honor his day as a holiday. Hundreds of streets in the United States, as we all know, have been renamed in his honor and the King County in Washington was rededicated for him. The the, uh, Martin Luther King Center Memorial and the National Mall in Washington, D.C. was also dedicated in his honor in 2011.
0: All righty, all righty. Thank you so much, Dr. Kemp. All righty, so we open up with the Dreamer. Joelle, give us your thoughts on the Dreamer. We want to say welcome to 15 in the engagement room and already seven in the chat room. Joelle. And we want those to type your comments in the chat about Dr. Martin Luther King, Joelle.
1: Yes, welcome everyone about Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. One thing I wanna make sure we know that I have a dream speech was originally to appeal about the end of economic and unemployment inequality. Same things we face now, the economic injustice and unemployment delivered on August 18 in 1963, put that in reverence to where we are today. 23 is now 24 and look how long that's been. We still fight for injustice. After the dream speak Dr. King continued to push for economic reforms that address the welfare of all people. Most notably uh, in his last book and he also gave quotes of financial um, topics and points that we can follow. And I hope we discuss all of that and what he was actually fighting about in detail for education purposes. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Joel. Steve, your take, the dreamer, Dr. Martin Luther King. And we again, want those to type in the chat who are here in the studio with Steve.
3: One thing, um, when uh, Dr. Kipp was talking the thing that kept coming up was nonviolent, nonviolent. Do you know how hard that it had to be to not fight back during that time when you were hosed and hit and spit on and stuff poured on you, attacked by dogs and you're trying to wage a peaceful protest. And for him to have to endure what he did and the people who were with him to have to endure what they did is just a testament to uh the type of people that they were how strong they were to not give in and you know try to keep it nonviolent, and that it it stuck out and he was such such a leader that i never forget um when he died i was six and it came on the tv and i remember my father i I specifically remember he was washing out the sink in the bathroom and they made the announcement and i was kind of not paying attention and he walked in the den and he said wait a minute what did they say and they announced again you know that he'd been assassinated and i just remember him saying "Mm," and just walked back into the bathroom and i was like you know, at six years old, I didn't, you know, know too much about what was going on, but uh, it was just awful. And the i have a dream sm- speech, and he was so much more than that. But uh, you know, that's the one thing that stands out. But uh, you know, I don't think we'll we'll ever have another uh, person like a Dr. King or or even a Malcolm X. But uh, uh, those, that's my take. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Steve. Um, my take on Dr. King, and again, we're gonna have a look at this month, we're gonna talk about this some more, is that uh, Joel said it, uh, when he started to touch on economic and the war in Vietnam, he was assassinated. He often talked about is a saying that says, for those underclass, we need to be included in the American capital system. But he also had a saying one time that we can't try to keep up with the Joneses if you're the poor people. He said, we have to learn that we cannot buy what we want and beg for what we need. Justice Jackson said, the final leg of this movement after civil rights is economic rights. And Justice Jackson once said, who also worked with Dr. King, that the battle is no longer in the street. The battle is in the street, including the ones that we form in our own businesses. So we're gonna stay on top of this. This is gonna be a great subject, Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King, the Dreamer. Yeah, we want to welcome the twenty-one engaged listeners in our audience tonight, and uh, we're going to have a good one. Now, let's move on. Our Woman of the Month, she's with us all month. None other than Coach C. Vivian Stringer, and I'm just going to go into a little of her um, biography. A native, no, her coaching career. Stringer arrived at Rutgers in July after 30 years combined as a head coach at Cheney State and the University of Iowa. She stated in her autobiography that the major reason she took the Colton job at Russell was that she felt that her children were not learning enough about their culture and comfortable enough around fellow African Americans. Due to the state of Iowa being a majority white populated area, in 1998, her team posted its first 21 season in four years, winning the Big East title with a 14-4 regular season record, and in the postseason, Rutgers-Scarlet Knights advanced to the NCAA tournament 316 with a 62-61 win against Iowa State in 2000. Her team went to the final four. She is in the top four winningest coaches in women's basketball and the top six winningest coaches of all time. None other, they coach C. Vivian Stringer. Steve, I'm going to let you go first tonight.
3: We're coming in next, Dr. Kim. Coach Stringer. Did you say me or Dr. Kemp? Yes, Steve. Steve. Okay. Uh, You know, I admire her because not only the coaching, but the point of having her kids wanting to be around our kids of color, our black kids, and not to shout rape from it or put it, are you in a position where you think you're gonna be better than anybody else? No, these are your people. And there's no reason to uh try to, to uh run away from it and just be a part of that community because that is your community they're going to accept you no matter what they're going to accept you and i just admire her for that
0: absolutely amen dr Kell c vivian stringer
2: yeah coach stringer is just such a dynamic uh, person coach and just um <coughs> a phenomenal woman just so happy you know that we definitely experience her co- co- coaching and would just love to hear you know what she has to say um, about today's um, young ladies that are playing um, college ball and especially coming from the University of Iowa definitely would love to hear what she has to say about their team. Um, but it's also amazing that some of the other coaches, such as Don Staley of South Carolina. Um, stated that you know, the strength of their, of her shoulders allow them as coaches, um, African-American coaches to stand tall. So she definitely set a precedence, you know, that um, other African-American coaches as well as other women coaches are definitely um, trying to emulate. Um, so we definitely are happy that she is still around with us uh, and she definitely made a difference.
0: Yeah, she opened, thank you, Dr. Kemp. She opened many doors. Uh, we know Carolyn Peck was the first african-american coach to win the n a title uh, but a few years ago i believe there were 12 african-american females that coached in the FA division one March Magnus tournament so we want to say thank you so much c vivian Singer. we have a you all month oh yeah now we want to congratulate another coach coming to you next well. coach tara banderville She's the coach Vanderier. She's the coach at Stanford University. She's coached forty-four years, and she's creeping up on a record. Tara Vanderier, I believe, has twelve hundred wins at this time, which is only one short of Mike Krzyzewski, which is twelve hundred and two, the winningest coach in men and women's basketball Division One of all time. In just a few games, the number eight Cardinals will win them, and she will surpass that. Becoming the winningest coach of all time, men and women, Coach Tara Vandermeer. three national championships. We have an assistant, Brittany Anderson, come on our show about five months ago. But um, Joelle, what do you think about Coach Tara Vandermeer?
1: Yes, I, I, I think she's amazing. She's so saw saw one of our current trail blazers for us to follow along within there. I'll be honest, I don't know as much as I'd like to know more about her program and where she is, but I'm following her as a leader and what she's doing now in the program and to see how she's building that dynamo in the back. All right so, now, thank you
0: Joelle. Steve, come coming tell you coach Tara
3: well you know when it comes to her you've got to be you've got to be talking about well, in, in the women's game alone probably one of the top three or four coaches mm-hmm. in the women's game alone but as far as a coach uh her record stands up with anybody in, in men men's or women's uh basketball but uh she like she's 70 years old she's still has the drive that you need to coach this game. She's 1,200 wins. I think she actually, if I'm getting it right, it was several years ago. She took one, maybe two years off Mm -hmm. and then came back to coach at Stanford. And like I say, the uh, three national championships, they're, they're in the hunt every year. Uh, and she's been in Stanford for the since her coaching career with 44 years. She's been there 37. So that's that's really getting the job done. And she's just been successful and she's somebody that uh, any coach could look up to.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kara Bender. Now, this is where the women and men's coaches division one career wise had Coach Myshew 1,202. Coach Tara Vanderman and the women, 1,200 wins. After that, you have Coach Gino Ariema, women, 1,180 wins. And then you have Coach Jimmy Bohan, men, 1,116 wins. And right after that, you have Coach Pat Summit, 1,098 wins. So when you talk about the winningest coaches in basketball division one, three are women, well, soon to be, but they still are. And uh and two are men, and Coach Vanderbilt will be number one So, hey, women's basketball come along in a short amount of time. Dr. Kemp, what do you think about those places? With three women's coaches in the top five of all
2: time. I think it's wonderful. Um, you know, we, we women were taking over. Um uh, you guys gotta <laughs> watch out now. <laughs> Uh, I think it's awesome, you know, that um, you know, that especially Coach Vanderveer can continue to, you know, coach um at her young age um and set a precedence. And um and Coach Stringer is right behind uh, Coach Summit with the 1,055 wins. So she's yes. right up in the top six. So um, you know, I think it's just phenomenal. So um you guys better watch out now. We take a note. <laughs> All
0: righty. Let me say this, like another stat, because we say Coach Tara Vanderbilt is 70, but she can coach for a while. Coach Chido Arima, who's right behind her in the women's game, his record is 1108 wins and 156 losses for 88% career percentage winning since has been at UConn. And Coach Summit was 1098 wins and 208 losses. At Tennessee, she won 84% of her game. Joelle. What do you think about coaches that win 88% of the games and they win 20 to 25 years, Coach Summit was 38. What do you think of coaches?
1: I think these coaches are, of course, they're the best of the best. I like that we're also comparing how Winning regardless of men and women and building programs worldwide. That was a time, if you go back, I'm not sure, but it's 1940s or something. Women's sports didn't hardly exist. And for women to come in in the 60s and rise to the level, especially, I'm lucky to be part of Tennessee and to have witnessed. Coach Pet Summit. And for all of these other coaches on the board, it's great to know their knowledge, their background, and to expound uh in sports, period. So thank okay. you for the trailblazers.
0: All right, all right. All right. Another trailblazer, Caitlin Park. She is on pace this year to break Kelsey Plum's record. I think it's 35 or thirty-six hundred career points in a college career. Kelsey Plum, who plays with the Las Vegas Aces or Ace, of course, did it in four years. Uh, Caitlin Clark is on pace in February, they say, that she would break her record, except she's only a junior, and she has about 800 assists and 800 rebounds or so. Steve, what do you think? Caitlin Clark.
3: (laughs) Steph Curry. (laughs) (laughs) She is awesome. She. I mean, she is awesome. She's doing uh, for the women's game what Steph did for the men's game. When you you are so valuable, when you're that good and you can handle the ball and you can shoot that well and you can shoot that deep, how you stretch the floor and make it easier for every everyone else to, to play the game of basketball. She is that valuable. And uh, uh, she's going to break the record. You give her about what two more weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but uh she's awesome
2: yeah that's true Kate i'm with steve give her give her like two more weeks because she was born january 22nd so I'm, I'm wondering if that's what she's shooting for to break the record but she will definitely do it um she's a, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. no player um and just wonderful to watch, you know, when she's when she plays. And again, I'm just so curious to know what Coach Stringer has to say about her. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that team, since she was once a coach there, you know, as well. Um, but she, she's a phenomenal young lady, um, as well as the team and their coach. Um, so just it's just wonderful to have her around um and, and her talent.
0: All right now, all right now. In the In the i know we'll be talking about us more this year all righty now a woman executive of the month solar abadu g b-e-m-i-s-o-l okay now let me give you more about her early life okay it says that she was what born in san bernardino california her father's chemical engineer and her mother's a pharmacist and her family roots are in abiokuta nigeria the 37 children in the family, and spent a formula of years in Lagos, Nigeria, and she moved to a uh, California at the age of 14. She fell in love with basketball after viewing Kobe Bryant during his uh, tremendous NBA career. She ascended up the ladder, and now we know that she is vice president of the NBA's division in Africa, NBA Africa, as they spread the goodwill over to the continent of Africa and bring basketball to the mountain. Uh I'm coming to you, Dr. Kim. what do you think of Miss Abridou as we continue to study this phenomenal, phenomenal young lady? Dr. Kemp?
2: I think it's wonderful, you know, that she became interested, you know, in a sport, um, you know, just pretty pretty much because she, back then when she was growing up, there was uh, I probably, um, who's to say if cable was around, I'm pretty sure it was. However, the remote was only limited. So she had to watch what her brother was watching, which which, which was basketball. So that turned her on to the game of basketball. And she just became so interested in it just took her talents to see how she can develop, um, you know, those talents um, back home in her mm-hmm. native Nigeria. Um, so I think it's just wonderful and amazing that she is doing that for you know their country just to show them um you know another sports or at least bring another sports you know to them outside of soccer and you know to to let the um the uh, boys and girls over there know that um here's something else that you can also strive for um you know and and play and and make money um as well and make a living shall I say a yeah. career
0: yeah and so um. Again, two most popular NBA players to come out of Africa, Akeem the Dream, Elijah Wong, who played with the Houston, and uh, Kimme Mutambu. And so, Steve, tell us what you think about those two players and what do you think the future of the NBA developing in Africa? Steve. I think
3: it, I think it's going to explode and reach a level that we can't even imagine right now because there's so much talent over there that 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 hasn't been developed that's starting to be developed but the the younger players are starting to catch on and everything is available for them to see now uh there's uh a lot of the nba development that's going on over there and when you think of the the size of the kids uh that are coming out from um, Africa that are able to stretch the floor and 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 uh and do it so naturally you you are going to take this game to another level like you said uh, King the dream and uh Matumbo where you know they were inside players and uh especially the dream was just awesome <laughs> but then you've got these uh other kids that are coming in now that are 69 610 611 that can play out in the floor with guard skills and it's just going to be an explosion in in a, in a few years and it's it's no telling where this game can go and I'm going to be quick with this this Pat Riley said this and I'm not kidding 35 years ago at least he said he dreamed of a day when it was a basketball game going on and everybody out there on the floor was about six, eight or six, nine, and nobody had a set position. Mm. And how far ahead of his time did he have to be? Because that's basically where this game is, is, is right now. And headed, uh, at a more, uh, astronomical, uh, sense in the coming yeah. years. So it, it's unreal. Yeah. All right. We're gonna
0: take a break we back with some HBCU basketball updated scores. Thank you so much, Steve. Into the break now. Into the break. Welcome back. That's Cliff Burton friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU Athletic. We want to welcome Diana to the show. We want to welcome it says JGFQKAZ. Don't know who that is, but welcome to the show. And we want to welcome our 32 engaged listeners along with the eight in the studio. Now, let's talk a little bit about some NIAC basketball. We're going to start with the women, and then Joelle's going to take us away on the uh on the men. So, in the women's basketball standings in the MEAC Conference, uh, the conference records now, Norfolk State 2-0, Coppin State 2-0, North Carolina Central 1-1, Morgan State 1-1, Delaware State 1-1, Howard 1-1, Maryland Eastern Shore 0-2, and South Carolina State, they are 0-2. Now, when we go to the SWAC Conference, okay, this is just the conference records, with Duke Cookman 1-0, Jackson State 1-0. Arkansas Pine Bluff, 2-0. Southern, 2-0. Grambling, 1-1. Alabama A&M, 1-1. Texas Southern, 1-1. Alabama State, 1-1. Prairie View, 0-2. Alcorn State, 0-1. Florida A&M, 0-1. And Mississippi Valley State are 0-2. Now, let's go to the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. And boy, things are really, really tightened up there. The conference record, the defending champion, Rust, Five and one. Fist Lady Bulldogs, five and one. Wiley, Texas, five and two. Dillard, four and two. And Philander Smith, four and two. You have Oakwood, two and three. Tickler, two and five. Talladega, one and four. And Southern University and New Orleans, one and five. And the Virgin Islands, they are oh, and four. So things uh, there you have it in the Gulf Coast. And uh, we're all here our March Madness. Everybody's at their conference schedule. now. Let me give you Division One. Don Staley, still number one, 14 and 0. Number two, Texas, 4 and 0. Number three, Stanford, 2 and 0. Nope. Number four, UConn. But they dropped off a little bit. And we'll just do number five, UCLA, 14 and 0. Now, some of these things have changed, and we're going to go through it in depth in two weeks from now. Right now, though, I will tell you the leader scores in the country, Caitlin Clark at 31 plus points to game. Number two, the freshman from USC, Ju Ju Watkins. So there you have it. These are our women's sport. And we're going to come. Joelle, come on and give us the men. All right now. Joelle.
1: Yes, I'm ready. And we're going to start with our 2004 men standing as far as uh, basketball right now. Starting in the MIAC, I have For the school, I have North Carolina with a 2-0 conference and an overall 10-7. Delaware State with a 9-9 and a 2-0 in the conference. Norfolk State with a 10-8. Howard with a 6-1. Maryland with a 4-10. Copkin with a 2-14. Morgan State with a 4-14 in South Carolina leading in that conference. Next, we have on the SWAC, we have a Southern with a two, with a 8-7 record and a 2-0 as far as conference. Alabama State with a 7-8, Bethune-Cookman with a 6-8, Jackson State with a 5-9. Then we have Alabama A&M with a three twelve 12 State with a four eleven Texas Southern with three eleven 11 Prairie View Five ten Arkansas Pine, five ten Florida A and M, two ten Alcorn State, one thirteen, and last but not least Mississippi Valley. I wish them well, and those that are leading in the conference again Southern with a 2-0. Alabama State with a two zero. Next we have following in the Gulf Coast. Coming up next, we have leading off in the 2004 Talladega, Alabama AM. I mean, in Talladega with a 4-0 win-loss. You got Fender Smith with a 5-1 win-loss. You got Tougaloo with a 6-2. Dillard with a 3-3. Wiley with a 3-4. Fisk with a 2-3. Russ with a 2-4, Virgin Islands with a 1-3, Oakland, Oakwood, Alabama with a 1-3, Southern University with a 1-4. The winners overall in the GSAC division for the men's are win-losses. Of course, Talladega again with 11-1, and Philander Smith with a 9-5. All
0: righty. Well, there you have it. We're getting ready for March Madness. Oh, yeah. yeah. All righty. Thank you so much, uh, Joelle. Thank you so much. Now, we're going to turn to college football. All righty. Um, in the FCS, uh no, excuse me. In the FCS of Division One, it's um, South Dakota won their championship this weekend, 23-3, over Montana in South Dakota. Uh, South Dakota State, excuse me, finished the season football with a 15-0 record. And so that's to be congratulated. And then they took it a step further. This is their second year in a row winning the title. So we're going to give it to them again. South Carolina State, South Dakota State, two FDS Division I championships in a row. Youth is North Dakota State. But this year, it is South Dakota State. They're to be commended. Now, let's go to the big one last night. And we're going to go around the horn. Michigan versus Washington. Michigan, they are the defending champions. They won the game 34-13. And uh, they have the up, Michael Phoenix, with 255 yards past the one TD, two interceptions. And they rallied and hit him all night. I don't know if you saw the game last night, but... Uh, Steve, I'm going to come to you. Tell us what you thought about the national
3: championship. Steve? It actually went the way I thought it would. I was actually for Washington, but I knew that it was going to be difficult because of the physicality of uh, the front line with Michigan on offense and defense. They controlled the line of scrimmage. They ran up and down the field. And I knew they would – I didn't I didn't think they would sack Pen- Penix a lot, but I knew that he was going to have to get rid of it as quick as he could because they were going to be coming. But they didn't go down without a fight. I I, I think he probably has bruised ribs because he went down yeah. a couple of times near the end of the game where you could tell, I mean, you know, he, sure. he'd been getting hit. I mean, he not, wasn't R- getting hit, R- R- but R- he was R- getting R- hit. R- and yes, when you're getting hit like that, man, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot on your body. But both teams would be up uh, to be congratulated, uh, especially with all the controversy Michigan went through this year, and then to go fifteen and zero, and your coach misses six games throughout the year because of the NCAA, uh, and uh, and Washington, that pack. I'm telling you, in the pack, <laughs> Bill Walton calls it the conference of champions. When uh, out there is so unpredictable with football in that conference that that's what is main thing is so impressive about Washington going undefeated up until last night. And, uh, you, you can see why they were well coached and, uh, you know, they got a quarterback and throw it all over the lot, but last night just wasn't their night. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Michigan was extremely physical, you know, uh, and I'm uh next about the game, but, um, you know, they talk about running backs and receivers and all of that. But uh, there's a saying that says in football, your backs and receivers get all your glory and fame, but it's your lineman that win your football game. And last night, truly up front, both sides of the ball, Michigan whipped Washington's lineman up front. Dr. Kemp, mm-hmm. tell us your thoughts on the championship game last night. Did you see it? Yeah,
2: yeah. thanks, Dr. Burr. Yeah, that was really good. It's funny that you just made that comment because I just – Wrote on my paper, line men were working really hard and won the game for for Michigan. Um, so I thought it was uh it was exciting. It was an exciting game. I didn't pick a team to win. I was happy for uh, Michigan, of course, coming from the Midwest and having friends that live in Michigan. And I don't know what's going on with the scam people calling, doing the discussion. Uh, however, but I think uh I'm I'm happy for Michigan. Um, like like Steve said, especially after their coach. Um, you know, missing the games and all the controversy, but uh Washington definitely put up a fight and gave it, you know, gave it their all and, and made it a good game. It wasn't like it was a blowout or anything, but it was definitely the linemen were definitely working and doing their job on both both teams yesterday. It was yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. All, righty. yeah. all right, all right. Thanks so much, Dr. Kemp. Uh Joel, and again, watching that game last night, uh, they were opening up some holes for Michigan, those linemen that we could have drove a Mack truck through. Uh, and those little the running backs just had to run forward. They were going in untouched. Uh, Michigan, it looks like they started turning the program around two or three years ago when they started beating Ohio State consistently. And I think their next level of confidence uh, came, and it came to a pinnacle last night. But Joelle, tell me your thoughts. Michigan and Washington. Well?
1: Yes, absolutely. First, they had outstanding game. They both went in there undefeated. So someone had to lose, right? So mm-hmm. you didn't know who it was. So I went in there, and the way Michigan opened, their line opened for their running backs and things yeah. and their passing, and their quarterback was on the money, they just took charge. And my thought also was the quarterback for the other team. They, he was beat down. Oh,
0: buddy. <laughs> yeah, you about Michael and, Phoenix. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, and I was really hoping or thinking at some point, are they gonna, uh you know, but I'm sure it was the championship and he was ty- trying to stay in there to the end, but with the score already being what it was and they were hitting him to the end. But yeah. I'm just going to say outstanding to both teams, both programs, and what a championship.
0: Yeah. And uh, we can't feel too sorry for Michael Phoenix from Washington because he's going to be playing on Sunday next year making some money. That's for sure. <laughs> All righty. Michigan. <clears throat> Excuse me. Way to go. Um, one of the keys to Michigan, and I talked with Jim, who follows Michigan he's from, the, from, from uh, Michigan, is that um, Michigan is the depth. They would rotate players in on you, and it wouldn't drop off. Uh, there should be anywhere between 20 players from Michigan possibly drafted this year. Coach Harborough has that program going that um, they don't look to rebuild; they just look to <laughs> reload, reload every year. Now they don't even rebuild; they have that much talent. And also, it looks like it may be a Harborough party uh, because if one brother's winning it in college, we'll see what happens with the Ravens with the other with the other brother. We're going to take a one minute break. We're coming back. We're going to talk some NFL. It's playoff time. Here we go. Back, Dr. Cliff Friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. Again, Pamela at PRenee Estates.com, 404 964 4294. That's renee Estates.com. If you're looking for residential, commercial, land, builder, developer, or investor services, you got it. That's renee Estates.com. All right, we're here. It's playoff time in the NFL. I want to welcome my 55, 55 engaged listeners who are now listening on the show. We want to welcome those in the chat. Join in. We want to put. Want you to put who you have down. I'm coming to the panel. Playoff picture this Saturday. And these teams have earned their right to the playoffs. And in this playoffs, the Ravens and the 49ers don't play the first round, but the rest of them do. So I'm coming to you. And everybody's else put in the chat. Steve, I'm going to give you the first game browns versus
3: the Texans. who do you have steve i'm gonna have to go with the browns i want the texas to win because cj Stroud is awesome i've never mm-hmm. seen a rookie quarterback come in and be as dominant as he's been this year but that browns defense is 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 tough and they they present problems so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the browns um I don't think it will be a high scoring game, but I'm going to give the Browns the edge on that
0: one. All right, Steve, give the Browns the edge. All righty. Coming to Dr. Kemp for our next game. Now, the Dolphins are at Kansas City, and Tyreek Hill, the receiver for the Dolphins, this is his homecoming. He used to play with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Dr. Kemp, who do you have on this game? The Dolphins at the Chiefs. This is on Saturday. Oh, this is
2: gonna be a good one. Um, I think I'm gonna go for the Chiefs. Uh, this game and see what happens. Um, maybe you know Taylor can sing them a win. Um, although, <laughs> <if they haven't. laughs> although right. you know they've been, they they have been holding on, but I'm I'm gonna try to Chiefs. You know, if this will go around. Although I don't know my Miami. This may be their year. So we're gonna All see. Righty.
0: We'll see what happens. Tyreek's gonna have something to say about that. Let's see what happens, Joelle we have the steelers at the buffalo bills both of them are used to cold weather uh but Joel, steelers at the bills Who do you have this is a sunday game
1: it's a sunday game and by us coming this far in the playoffs you know down to who's gonna win to play those two waiting right so by it being at buffalo correct then i'm gonna, I'm gonna choose buffalo. yeah then i'm gonna choose I hate to go against my Steelers, but you're going there. So I don't know. So I actually, I'm going to choose the Steelers. I'm going to stick with my coach.
0: All righty, yes. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. He's a great coach, too. All righty. Wonderful. All right. I'll take the next one. And uh, let's see. Renee is not on the line yet. Packers at the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys. And Packers are at the Cowboys Stadium. Mike McCarthy's old team. I'm going to take Dallas Cowboys on that one. All righty. Now, Jim's not here. So, Steve, I'm going to tell you, the Rams at the Lions. Now, Stafford, the coach for the Rams, used to play for the Lions. And Jared Goff, both of these are quarterbacks. The quarterback for the Lions used to play for the Rams. So, and the game is in Detroit. Steve, what do you have? Rams at the
3: Lions. Hey, they cannot say and convince anybody i know they can't convince me that this game doesn't mean a little more because of that situation with the trades uh with matthew stafford giving all those great years to detroit and not getting out of it and then uh, jared Goff taking the rams to the super bowl and them losing it then then they say he's not good enough and they bring in matthew stafford and he takes the rams and they win the super bowl but i'm going to go with detroit in this game. Running. I'm going to right. go with Detroit. I think they've got a little bit, uh, they're a little bit better really on uh on both sides of the ball, really, especially defense, but I think they're a little better.
0: All righty. All righty. All right. So Jeff Jeff has uh had the night off, but he couldn't he couldn't help it. He got the Browns, the office, the Bills, Cowboys, and Lions. He put it in his chat. All right, Jeff, we see you. All righty, Dr. Kim. Now. This is the interesting game on Monday night. The Bucks, which I believe is the Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield, is the quarterback, help me be out of am wrong. And uh, the Eagles, the world champions defending, are stumbling into the playoffs. They went 10-1 and one to start the season, and I think they ended up 1-5. So, Dr. Kemp, what do you have, you are, Eagles or Bucks?
2: Come on now. You already know with Brady not being there. You know I'm going with the Eagles all right all right
0: all All right tampa bay eagles eagles at the book okay we'll take that now let's do a little talk about some of the other teams that didn't make it because usually when the playoffs are or announced about four or five firings come on so let's talk about the uh commandos they fired their coach the titans they fired their coach the falcons Mm -hmm. have fired their coach, um, Joelle, tell us about what do you think about coach? uh Is it Vrabel? Vrabel down there in Tennessee getting fired? Right or wrong? You think you should let him go? Joel?
1: Okay, here I am. With all the okay. action the Titans have shown at the latest, with letting those players go, and <laughs> it, we got several on the Eagles team. And then you were talking about we have Derek Henry number one right but why are you talking about he got some years left but you were already discussing in the media that it's be his last year or last season and now with variable gone what are they doing starting all over fresh new or something that's i'm saying the best and holding out hope because the titans are my team i actually go to the psls but i'm starting to look at each team that plays them all the teams in the nfl and
0: Do you think they should have let him go, Joel? You think
1: they should have let the coach go? Do I think they should have let him go? Yep. At this at this point, I wouldn't have let him go. I would have let whoever's doing the play calling, uh, decisions, and getting rid of our main players. But starting fresh, I can only go with what they have. We're starting all over. Bottom t- all right. bottom of the line. Bottom of the division. Uh okay. <laughs> coach gone, players right.
0: gone. Thank Sounds you. Good. All righty. Steve, Washington Commanders. What do you think? Was it time for the coach to go? Yeah,
3: it it, it was time. It it run its course. So much had happened. Uh there and that then you get new management, new ownership uh, you know new ownership, new management. And they they were bound to make a change with the kind of season they were having. Uh it started off the year complaining. The players were complaining that the offensive new offensive coordinator, Eric B. Enemy, was too tough on him. You know, he'd come from Kansas City. Uh, so it it was time. And to Joel's point, she made a great point, And I totally agree with her. I don't think they should have gotten rid of Vrabel. I think they just needed to get a new offensive coordinator. Mm. And uh they get rid of good people. they talk talking about trading Jared Henry, but you know, it's so you know what here is a cluster, you know. <laughs> but, uh, all right, all right. <laughs> but the GM the GM did say that he did not make that decision. It was all Amy Adams strunk that made that decision. So uh yes. yeah, it, it was tough. Yeah.
0: Jeff says, What well, Jeff lives in the Maryland area. He's typing in chat. He said, watch it. I had to let him go. All right, Jeff. All right. All right, Dr. Kemp, we're coming to you. Is it time if they haven't already? For Bill Belichick to be let go in New England. He had a pretty bad year. Everybody else can type into the chat too. Bill, Belichick, the legend, seven, eight, seven Super Bowls, but uh, four or five games this year and lost some chance. And I'm not criticizing from this area, but still. What do you think? Should they let Belichick go? Is it time?
2: I think it's time, Dr. Bird. I think it's time that the legend uh, just let it go and just give someone else a chance. Yes, he's done it's wonderful. Time. He's done wonderful yeah. while he was in the league. Uh with definitely his record says it all. But yes, I definitely think it's time. It's it's time.
0: Well, I guess that means the fat lady may be starting to sing. Uh, yeah, for good to check. So we don't have a fat lady, but I guess the uh you know, can't do that. All right. So all right, that's what we have. I have a look. And uh what we're gonna do, we're gonna take a break. And Steve, we coming right back. You got a lot going on, John Chaney. Um, the NBA, nca We're going to take a break. We're coming back, and then at the end, Steve, we're going to talk about, and this is hard, the top five WNBA players of all time. All right, we'll be right back, y'all. We'll be right back. Back, Dr. Clifton, friends, featuring the absolute very best at all of all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. We want to welcome the nine in the chat room. Please continue to type those chat, and the sixty-three engages listening on the line. Listen, if you know anybody or you want to check out our website, the website dot Clifton Friends is Clifton, but one word. Dot Share the word and spread the word. We'd love to have more on the show with us. All right, Steve.
3: Let's take a step. All right, with the NCAA Division I men's basketball, top 10, Purdue, rem- Purdue remains number one at 14 and one. Houston is number two at 14 and zero, and Houston's playing at Iowa State right now in a low scoring game is 46, 43 Iowa State right now. Uh, Kansas is number three at 13 and one they uh got away with something it was a controversial call that ended up being a flagrant file and uh sent kansas to the line to kind of put tcu in the hole and um uh it, it was it was kind of ugly and it was shouldn't have been a flagrant foul was inadvertent number four i have uconn at 13 and two um stephen stephen castle is uh, really, really stephen castle is almost back to full strength now and that makes a big difference for UConn freshman mm-hmm. Tennessee is 11 and three Ole Miss was 13 and 0 and went into uh, Thompson Bowling Rennett, University of Tennessee and got beat 90 to 64. You undefeated and you could beat like that Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky is 11 and two at number six they're currently right now ahead of Missouri by nine with eight minutes left in the game uh they had a great game saturday against florida florida played great looked like they were going to beat kentucky kentucky was able to pull out a win uh the big kid bradshaw hit a big three near the end of the game for them arizona is at eight at 12 and three Oklahoma is nine at 13 and one illinois is 10 at 11 and three marquette dropped out they lost to Seton Hall. And they dropped out and Kansas actually dropped one spot to three and Houston replaced them at two. And speaking of Illinois, Terrence Shannon, the player from Illinois has filed a restraining order against the university of Illinois because, uh, he wants to be allowed to play. Of course, you know, he was charged with rape, which is serious. Yeah. And uh, so he's filed a restraining order against the university. Uh and Mikey Williams, the heralded recruit that was supposed to be playing for Memphis, he, he was facing six serious gun charges. Lord, it basically got where it doesn't look like he's going to have to go to jail or anything, but they've they gone through a sentencing phase. And what happened was he has just, uh, as of yesterday, put his name in the transfer portal. Him and his teammate, uh, uh, J.J. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me, JJ uh, Taylor. They played high school ball together, and we're both supposed to be at Memphis. They played, <laughs> played down in uh, San, San Gisedro, uh High School in uh, San Diego. Uh, Auburn, just, Auburn beat Arkansas by thirty-one at Arkansas, and I mean that was ugly. I I, I thought. That it would be a better game, but I did think Auburn would win, but I did think it would be a better game. But um, you know, hey <laughs> when you throw that ball up, when you throw that ball up, hey, it's something um, uh in the, in the NBA Hold Yeah, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. A
0: question. Yeah, in the men's division. Do you think I know it's a little early, you think Kansas is a final team? And do you think Kentucky with the youngsters with Wagner? can make it to the
3: final four this year those two teams i actually think kentucky can make it they they are really good they are they are young but they are they're looking a lot better a whole lot better on offense than uh the kentucky teams have looked in the last Mm -hmm. i'm going to throw it out six seven years Mm -hmm. they 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 look good now if he keeps letting them play like this, they'll be fine. But if he starts to do a little more coaching, then that's, that may hurt him. I'm not trying to talk about it, but <laughs> they're doing fine right now. Don't don't mess it up trying to think, oh, I need to do that. No, it's, it's working fine right now. Yeah. Uh, Kansas, i like to say, Bill Self does his best work when he does not have a deep, or loaded team, and that they do not have. But I don't think they'll make it to the final four. They'll, I, I, I think it's going to come back, and it's going to hurt <coughs> them that uh, they're not deep this year, and uh, yeah. they, uh, their perimeter, uh, just play Amazon. Hey, play Amazon, play Amazon, and uh, you know, if I was playing Kansas or Houston, I'd play a zone play players on and that doesn't mean you lay off of them but with them i dare them to shoot they're not going to beat you from the perimeter so Steve, uh yeah
0: I Have one more question uh what about dr Kemp? i open the mic uh go ahead and ask a question
2: Oh yeah, Steve. I was um curious to see when you made that statement about Kentucky. Uh where is Duke after Coach K retirement? How are they looking this year?
3: They are a fringe top 10 team. They've got a game in about 20 minutes. They play uh at Pittsburgh. They've been playing well the last uh five or six games. They've really been playing it well. They picked they picked it up some and they're getting um uh, uh, the McCain kid, the freshman, Jared McCain, has picked this game up, and he's actually playing like I expected him to play. I knew he would be big time for them. And they're starting to play well right now. They're not uh, uh, deep. They, what they're going to have to do, they've got a kid on the bench. Uh, he's a freshman named Sean Stewart. They're going to have to let him play. They are going to have to let him play and figure it out. They've got the coaches. He's got the talent. Uh, they're going to have to let him play. I think if they let him play, it'll make a big difference in them. They have the backcourt play. Uh, they have Filipowski. They have Mitchell. Uh, uh, I think they're just going to have to let this kid play if they want to make take that next step. Just mm-hmm. let him go ahead. All right. NBA, what do you have, Steve? NBA, I tell you. Draymond Green has <laughs> been reinstated and he will probably I think suit up maybe Sunday maybe before but right now I think they're looking at Sunday he had his meeting with Adam Silver who of course is the commissioner of the NBA and he told uh, Adam Silver he was he thinking about retiring and, and I think Adam told him you know that's you know that's a rash decision you know he, you don't need to retire, everything, anything like that. He probably he wasn't gonna retire. But uh, uh he'll be back. Uh it will make them a better team. It's they're not gonna win it. Uh they're not they're, they're gonna they may make the playoffs because they've got the playing games. They may make the playoffs. But if you talk about the West, the top teams are Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver the Clippers, Sacramento, Dallas, New Orleans, and Houston in that order. And Houston's been playing where Eme Udoka has got them playing well. They have bought in uh, to what he wants, and uh, they're playing well. I, I, I don't know if everybody's happy, but right now it's, it's working. But they've got some uh, – young talent they've got some young talent and they're right now they're sitting in they're sitting in eighth place i don't think they'll make the playoffs though but they're sitting in eighth place yeah yeah
0: yeah jeff says in the in the chat in the chat with, um, back dream my greed is not gonna leave all money on the table you know he still owed about 70 million on his contract over the next three four years so he wasn't retired
3: no nah. uh-uh. no nah, he wasn't that. <laughs> Stop playing! Trying to get that sympathy vote, you know. (laughs) Sympathy vote. Um, John Morant is out for the year.
0: Oh, uh,
3: yeah. He had a labral tear that they're going to have to uh, do surgery on. They they said he heard it in practice Saturday. I know he played Friday night against the Lakers. They said he heard it in practice Saturday. So. You know, his season is ending uh, after only playing nine games, which he was averaging 25 points a game. I hate it. I really hate it because he's such a fun player to watch. He's he's yeah. He's got some ironish things, if I can create that word right there, <laughs> that you just enjoy watching play. And, um, you know, they're in 13th place right now. So, you know, they can go ahead and play. Uh, Try to get as many ping pong balls as they can because it's it's a, <laughs> it's,
0: yeah, it's, yeah. it's
3: a wrap. Because I'm thinking, you know, Derek Rose is out hurt. You know, Derek Rose. You know, he's injured, but he get hurt getting out of the shower. So you know, it, it's just it's. Uh, I I just really hated it, hated it for him.
0: Steve and Adams Adams, the big man, also hurt.
3: Yeah, he 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 tore his knee up, and he has not played this year. He got hurt right before the season started and that was that was really a killer because he's such a valuable player on both ends of the the floor with rebounding uh screen and rolling uh scoring at the basket that hurt them a lot and then they also the clark kid is is not played this year he won't be back till february he tore his achilles last year and uh, he won't be back. They've got him scheduled to be back maybe by the fifteenth of February. So, mm-hmm. you know those injuries. Uh, you know Tyrese Halliburton, the, the NBA assist leader. He uh, hurt his hamstring, strained his hamstring last night. I don't know how long he'll be out. I saw the fall. It, you know, he he did a split, and yeah. uh, so you know when you do that, uh, you know it it it's just hard to tell. You know how you know how funny hamstrings are. Yeah. They yeah. they they are funny, but it's so many these injuries, you know, they they really just kill teams. I've never seen it, you know, I've never seen as many quad injuries in my life. Hamstrings I've seen, but I've never seen as many quad injuries in my life. And uh you just got, you know, cats missing a lot of games. Yeah. You know, they just don't have and I'm not trying to say they're not hurt, but you know. Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, they didn't miss game. When LeBron get, misses game, LeBron is actually hurt. Yeah. You know, he he's not hurt. You got Kevin Durant missed, uh, you know, he's been back two games, but he missed four straight games because of hair tightness. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, I'm like, come on, KD. Uh, uh, yeah. hey, put an S curl in there. And make it straight. But anyway, he had, he had 30 last night, the Slim Reaper. But yeah, but uh and then you got the top teams in the East. Like uh uh Jason Tatum didn't play last night, but Jalen Brown had 40. Uh Milwaukee, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Orlando, Miami, Indiana, New York, and Cleveland. Milwaukee, uh, they might make a coach change for the years out.
0: Okay.
3: And the Lakers might too. Uh, The trade trade deadline is February the 8th. Uh, The Zach Levine to the Lakers thing is picking up steam. It's a lot of money involved in it, so it might be hard to do uh, because of what Zach Levine is owed, but he's a bucket getter, and the game is about buckets. And, you know, the Lakers need some help because, you know, LeBron and AD are still having to carry the whole load and so because everybody else is so inconsistent i mean it's like come on you know but uh yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. we could do this uh let's finish up with something we did a few weeks ago we're going to come back to coach cheney in a few weeks in a few weeks but we had our all nba team and we asked everybody to put in the chat a tougher task tonight And I want to say hello to Renee Spencer, who's joined us, Miss University Basketball Hall of Famer. But I'm going to ask each of us to name, in a 27-year history, your top five all WNBA team. And I'm going to tell you, this one is tough, because you could have three players worth. I'm going to step out there first and say mine and type in the chat, and then we're going to come to Joel, Marlo, yourself, and we want everybody else to type in the chat. Your first five players you would take, in the history of the WNBA, if you were to start a team. So here's my, and I'm gonna put it in the chat Lisa Leslie, Asia Wilson, Diane taurasi Maya Moore, and with all respect to Sue Bird, I'm taking Cynthia Cooper. That's my first five. All righty. All right, I'm gonna give you a second, Joe. we come coming to you next, and everybody else, type in your all. WNBA team in the chat. All righty, all righty. Now, uh, Joelle, I want you to give us your first five. Your first five.
1: Okay, my first
0: five WNBA. Here
1: you go. My first five WNBA. Who I think who I can think of off the top. Here I go. I'm definitely gonna go with Lisa Leslie. I'm also going to go with Cheryl Swoop. Right. Um, let's see. I also, what comes to mind for me is, it's hard because you wouldn't say pick five. I know. I know but
0: on.
1: I got those two. I'm gonna say a Thompson because she played play with Houston, and mm-hmm. she was outstanding. Did I say Maya Moore?
0: No, you didn't say. My, I don't think so.
1: No, Maya Moore, and then. I need Sue Bird. Sue Bird. She's All right. A all right. We'll take that.
0: <laughs> Put them in the chat, yes. Joelle. Put them in the chat. Okay. Put them in the chat. Okay. Now, before we come to you, uh, Dr. Kemp, uh, Renee Spencer says, Tina Thompson, Dana Sorosi, Maya Moore, Lisa Leslie, and Brittany Griner. All righty. All
2: righty. All right. Dr. Kemp. Oh. You're starting five of all time. Okay. I have. Cynthia Cooper, Sue Bird, Candace Parker, Maya Moore, and Diana Taurasi. All right. Say it again. Say it again. Cynthia Cooper. Sue Bird. Okay. Candace Parker.
0: All right. Maya
2: Moore.
0: All right. Diana Taurasi. All right. So no Lisa Leslie. Okay. All righty. Well, hey, it's a lot of them. This is a tough task. The tough dance,
3: Steve, basketball expert, coming to you for we shut it down. What do you have? Hey, all of you all picked some great teams. Cause I mean, we could have some really good, good yes. arguments off of this. Everybody did. My five, I had Dinah Taurasi as my point guard, Cynthia Cooper as my shooting guard, my Moore as my small forward, Tamika Catchings as my power Jeez. forward, and Lisa Leslie as my center. And I think, uh, I think it was Joel that said Cheryl swoops, because I mean, she was great. Candace Parker was great. Uh, Tina Thompson. I mean, it's just some, some great people. Uh, Elena Deladon
0: is
3: is, a Brittany Griner that I I, I think uh, that, that Marlo mentioned, but it's just some great players out there that I've missed and name it that were really great you know if cheryl miller had a wnba she'd have been on that
0: oh boy. <laughs> jeff, jeff says leslie moore terossi cooper and swoops now steve you're right there's so many great players and everybody else we left off people like chameka Holesclaw. Hmm? yeah sylvia Fowles. This, this is tougher to do i found out than the nba but hey we'll come back and we'll get it done again alrighty I want to thank everybody for that. Now, Steve, thank you for a great job of doing uh, the basketball again. Thanks so much. Now, we want to thank all seventy-one of our engaged listeners tonight for coming on. Want to spread the word again and um, and get someone else to come on next week. We have a special, special show. We have history-making coach Coach Kareen Tarver from Fisk University. She leads the first. HPCU gymnastics program in the country. She's a visionary. She's a history maker. Also, herself, in 1989, she was the first African American college gymnast to win the N State Division I all around gymnastics competition. She had a vision that's going to take place next week on Dr. King's birthday, and that is there are six African American females who coach gymnastics around the country, Talladega, Iowa State. Rutgers, uh we have a few more they are all six going to be competing in a meet at vanderbilt memorial gymnasium um at 3 of on dr king's birthday it's a historic it's the first time it's legendary and then she's agreed to come on our show dr Cliff Burton friends next tuesday night and she's going to give us first her first interview after this historic event please please spread the word We are looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time here. And uh, we thank already so much in advance. So again, thank you, everybody. And we'll see everybody back in 168 hours from now. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you.